Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Trusted by generations of farmers. Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Putting your animal nutrition needs first. Welcome to our programme. I'm John O'Connor. Coming up, tillage with Kieran Collins, Chagas Moor Park. Minister Creed announces advance payments of 732 million euro under the 2018 BPS. Angus registrations up 50% in five years. The National Dairy Show has opened in Mill Street this morning and continues till 6 o'clock. National Show Director, Mr John Kirby. As the National Dairy Show, uh, John, is now 36 years running. Uh, it's, uh, it's run by the Hawk Holstein Frisian Club, uh, which is a, a, a club affiliated to the Irish Holstein Frisian Association. It's one of 15 clubs uh, throughout the country. They're the brains, they were the brains behind the initial holding of the, of the show back in 1982. And various committees selected by the by that club have uh, have been in charge of the dairy show in the intervening period, and it brings us to the fifth show, uh, which is on Saturday, 20th of October, in the Greens Inns Arena in Mill Street, County Cork, nine o'clock in the morning, and it was, and it will go right through the day up to six o'clock, six p.m. in the evening. We have formed a very very good association with the, with the Duggan family, um, right over all those years. Um, now the the initial show was was uh, built on, on humble beginnings back then, uh, but it has grown, and so has the Green Glens Complex grown into an international uh, event centre, and uh, we're delighted to have such facilities available to us um, to run the show every year. There are different events going on throughout the day. Uh, judging of the cattle will begin at 9.15. Um, there will be a, a break for lunch at, uh, at 1.30, uh, for in around uh, a half an hour, um, and at, at that point uh, we'll have our official opening. Uh, the judging will recommence again about two o'clock, and uh, go right through up to about four o'clock in the evening. Now, as well as that, there are there are different uh, demonstrations. Uh, there's um, a tractor and loader demonstration. Uh, the first one goes at time for eleven o'clock in the morning, and the second one is time for two thirty. Uh, throughout the day, there'll be there'll be health and safety demonstration uh, uh, that w- that will be running right throughout the day. Uh, also, there's a hoof care demonstration that's time for twelve o'clock. Uh, the first session and the second session is time for three o'clock in the afternoon. So, who's opening the show officially, and what time? Well, over the years, we've we've had we've had some very very well known uh, sports and uh, political figures. Opening the show, and this year we're, we're carrying along on that tradition. 
We're delighted to have the services of Mr. Sean Kelly, MEP for Munster uh, and former GA President, uh, to do the honours race on Saturday, and that is at uh, 1.30 in, in the afternoon. And the judge for the National Dairy Show this year, John, I understand, is Mr. Edward Griffiths from the UK. He's got a farm himself and he's also an agricultural land agent and his daughter Lydia training to be a farm accountant. So he's very much a family farm man as well as being a business person. That's right. Our judge for this year uh, is Mr. Edward Griffiths, who has finally given his time to come to, come to Ireland and judge our national show. Uh, as you say, John, he's a, he's a dairy farmer. He was a family farmer with his wife and uh, two daughters in Yorkshire. Uh, he needs to have the 250 pedigree Holstein Friesian cows and about maybe 30 or 40 pedigree, pedigree Jersey cows. So he's well-tuned and well-versed uh, in, the, in the finer points of, uh, of dairy cattle breeding and judging. And we're looking forward to Edward's con- contribution as all the exhibitors uh, that I've met in recent times are looking forward to his, to his judging and his reason giving on the day. It's always nice to get somebody of that uh, with that uh, depth of knowledge uh, because he understands the agricultural thing very, very, very well. And uh, he's bound to go down well, I think, with our audience uh, here on Saturday. Well, there are 150 trade stands um, booked in for the day um, covering a wide range of, of, uh, of, uh, of aspects of our farming from feed companies to fertilizer companies to animal dosing, AI companies, farm equipment. Uh, plenty of opportunity to meet, to meet personnel from, from, a, from a wide range of, of aspects of farming. Uh, but from a family point of view, we also have a, have a, a small animal farm from Romley's Farm, uh, just outside Cork City. And they're going to put on a, put, to put on a display of, of, uh, of uh, small animals that bound to be very popular amongst the little people who will attend the show. Uh, we also have a bouncing castle, so there will also be face painting. And uh, as well as that, then we have some companies offering uh, food tastings uh, throughout the day. So uh, combine that with a, a full a full uh, restaurant in, within the Greenblinds complex uh, to show to, to make for a very satisfying day, I think, for the people attending. And I think the big point to make, the big point to make, I think, it's all indoors. So it's immune to extremes of weather. Rural crime, rural crime prevention and relatively simple measures you can take in terms of security to keep your house or farm or homestead safe uh, from rural crime. I understand there would be demonstrations there and advice there by Gardaí and uh, other experts who would point out how people can take some basic precautions and uh, hopefully escape that uh, scourge of modern rural Ireland, raiding and stealing, and in some cases leaving people isolated and petrified inside their own homes. Uh, that's right, John, and it's a, it's a scourge of our society at the moment, and it's, it's, it's uh, an awful thing to have to admit. Um, that uh, there's an awful lot of, of uh, uncertainty and insecurity amongst the people, particularly in rural Ireland. And uh, there'll be numerous mem- members of the Gardaí on hand uh, to offer advice and tips in a very, very relaxed, laid-back atmosphere. Um, the Gardaí will be there all day, all day long uh, to discuss any any concerns people have. And as you rightly say, offer some useful tips that uh, that might. Uh, uh, help them get through 
a different a difficult period if there are if there are uh, break-ins in the area and that and no better people than the Gabby to handle uh, and that situation and offer uh, worthwhile advice. If you listen to listen to any any program that the Gabby um, offer advice on, it it's the simple things that people slip up on, things you kind of take for granted, uh, leaving windows not securely locked, doors not locked, and uh, uh, and a frightening statistic is the majority of these crimes occur between. Five o'clock and maybe eight o'clock in the evening time, uh, when when you when you would expect people to, and most people to be within their homes at that at that particular time, uh, so the Gardaí will will show up some 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 very interesting figures I think in their in their presentation at the, at the show on Saturday. Again, at the National Dairy Show, well worth your while. Just pay a short visit to the stand where people are showing you how you can farm safely and avoid being injured or crippled due to one or two seconds of lack of concentration. That's right, John, and then Saturday's event will, 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 will concentrate particularly on farmyard safety and the handling of animals and the, the dangers that, uh, that uh, lie within that. And uh, we're, we're indebted to the... the, the Farm safety people for giving up their time and coming here on on, uh, on Saturday, and uh, they will be available right throughout the day uh, to discuss people's concerns again as regards safety. And um, like we we only know too well uh, uh, the amount of, of farm accidents that occur, and unfortunately can can lead to fatality in extreme cases. So any hints and tips that we can pick up from, from the, the safety people, I think, would be well, very worthwhile. The Mill Street Fire Service, they will be offering a display of firefighting and involved will be their shiny new fire tender. So that's something, again, linked to safety, a very exciting display. People will like, pick up a few tips about how to avoid fires and fires can occur in the depth of winter just as well as during a drought period. That's right. Uh, yeah, uh, it's a, it's a new addition to our show this year, um, and uh, again we're we're indebted to the to the Minstreet people for giving up their time and and, and their uh, equipment. And again, I think there'll be some worthwhile hints and and uh, and tips that people can pick up there uh, to hopefully avoid a disaster uh, in their homes. Uh, as well as that, John, I'd just like to touch on the on the, the the Dairy Innovation Award, which is always a very popular. Um, um, uh, part of the, of the National Dairy Show, and this year we have we have no fewer than twenty five entrants for for the National National Dairy Innovation Award. Uh, there are three categories uh, at, uh, in the award, and then there's an overall winner. And uh, I think uh, they'll be displaying some new products or equipment that's launched onto the Irish market in two thousand and eighteen. So that's that's the, the the criteria for entering the Innovation Award. And as well as that, I think we have we are, we are, we also have the the Ireland's latest comedy sensation, the two Johnnies, uh, appearing at the National Dairy Show, uh, and I think uh, I think it's it's correct to say that they have a huge following throughout the country, and any people anyone anybody who wants to meet them in person, uh, come to the National Dairy Show uh, in uh, on the twentieth in the in the Greenland Arena in Street, and uh, they'll have an opportunity to take photographs and get autographs signed. Uh, with with the two Johnnies, so that's an added attraction again this year. So hopefully, 
at this point, I'd like to wish everybody who intend to intend to visit us on Saturday uh, a very enjoyable and informative day, and uh, hope they find the whole thing very beneficial. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. John Kirby, Director. 2018 National Dairy Show taking place on Saturday, 20th of October at the Green Glens Arena in Mill Street and the show that began with uh, fairly relatively modest beginnings in 1982. You've uh, staged it all of those years at the Green Glens Arena in Mill Street. Thank you very much indeed, John. Thanks a million. Thank you very much, John. IFA National Sheep Committee Chairman Sean Dunahy said lamb supplies had tightened in recent days with factories struggling to get adequate supplies. He said numbers are strengthening with reports of €4.80 a kg being paid. He said more farmers were getting €4.75 a kg. Sean Dunahy said supplies normally tighten at this time of year for lamb and farmers needed to negotiate hard in order to maximise returns. He said the IFA was meeting with the lamb factories and would be pushing hard for price increases to reflect market returns and would also be pushing to get carcass weights up to 22.5 kgs. He said the IFA would be raising serious concern over the large cull yo kill and the poor replacement yo lamb and yo hoggers trade this year. He said the IFA would make it clear to the factories low incomes and poor prices were the root cause of reducing yo numbers. He said as well as incomes and prices, EID, clean sheep policy, factory charges and other sheep policy issues would be on the top of the agenda. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Michael Creed, has announced the commencement of advance payments under the 2018 Basic Payments Scheme, including greening. The Minister said he was happy to confirm that advance payments under the BPS worth €732 million to 113,000 farmers had commenced issuing. And a special number, a helpline number, has been given for any queries regarding BPS or ANC payments. And that number is... 076106-4420. The line is open up to the 27th of October starting now from 9am to 8.30pm on weekdays and between 9am and 1pm on Saturday 20th of October and again on Saturday 27th of October from 9am to 1pm. Minister Creed also confirmed that balancing payments under the 2018 BPS as well as payments under the Young Farmers Scheme and National Reserve are scheduled to commence issuing from the start of December, followed by payments under the Coupled Protein Aid Scheme. Sheep flock owners are reminded that a special autumn sheep grass walk is taking place on October 30th, Tuesday, October 30th, at 2pm on the land of Mr Kieran Daly, Bantry Cork, air code P75, AY81. The event will be signposted locally in the Bantry area. That autumn sheep grass walk is organised under the auspices of Chagask and Grass 10 programme. On the agenda, autumn grassland management, as well as producing a winter fodder plan for your sheep. You are listening to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme on C103 Cork with John O'Connor. Mr. Kieran Collins, Chagask Tillage Specialist, Chagask Moor Park for Moy, joins us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme. Welcome, Kieran, to the programme. Now, it's been a rather unique year in terms of weather and tillage, but of course, uh, the tillage farmers did manage to salvage quite a lot. So, just a brief uh, look back at the year that's been there so far. 
Yeah, it was it was probably the most unusual year, I suppose, John, that we ever had. It started, I mean, 12 months ago in October, where we would have been planting the winter crops. And, I mean, there was very few windows to, to plant crops last October. So, you know, as a result of that, then you had a lower acreage of winter cereals than normal. And I suppose people weren't that worried because spring barley had performed so well the previous year and that, you know. But then, of course, as we all know, the, the, the spring hardly came at all. I mean, a lot of the spring barley wasn't sown until May, you know. So that reduced the opportunities to sow spring wheat and, and oats and, and crops like that. So it was really, I suppose, difficult and, and unusual. And then... You know, I suppose we got a summer drought then, which really, I suppose, put the tin hat in it from a, a weather perspective, you know. But when it was all done and dusted, I suppose, in, in County Cork, probably we fared slightly better than maybe other parts of the country in that a lot of the coastal areas weren't quite as hot during the drought. And some of the spring barley yields in, particularly if you go from Clannacilty all around the coast, Kinsale and as far as Waterford, were actually, while they were still below average, they weren't too bad vis-a-vis what you know, they got maybe further inland, you know. So, um, But still in all, yield was, was, was well back on normal. But I suppose in terms of output then, we had some compensation in the fact that there was a, a price increase, which, which was welcome. And also there was good demand for straw, which, which obviously was, was a big help to tillage farmers as well. And I suppose we, shouldn't, we should also comment on the weather for the harvest was brilliant. And, you know, that's worked a lot, too. So I suppose on balance, you know, yields were back and that output was probably similar to, to the previous year, you know, but it was done in, in reasonably good weather, which, which was a help, you know. After an earlier than normal finish to the harvest, uh, many tillage farmers planted these so-called catch crops, that's C-A-T-C-H crops, to help alleviate the fodder deficit experienced by their livestock uh, farmer colleagues. Now, what advice would you have for tillage farmers in relation to the management of these crops, these so-called catch crops? Yeah, I suppose, in fairness, a lot of tillage farmers this year, you know, one of the advantages of having an earlier than normal finish to the harvest was it allowed these catch crops to be sown in a time, you know, when they should be sown, I suppose, really, some in August and that. Um, because what we've had in previous years under the DLAS scheme and that is, you know, the weather has been poor for the harvest. These catch crops or cover crops in DLAS have been sown very late and they've given very poor yield. So I suppose this year we were fortunate in the sense that, you know, the harvest was a little bit earlier and, you know, these crops were sown and, and some of them have, have given quite good yield. I know, you know, a lot of people have harvested already, you know, silage off of the likes of, um, you know, the Westerworlds and that, you know. Um, I suppose from a tillage perspective, really, I suppose, you know, there's a couple of things maybe just to, to, to watch out on is particularly in the likes of, of Westerworlds or those short term grasses is just make sure that they don't head out. Um, you know, we had some issues there where they came under a bit of stress after being sown in dry conditions, but maybe looking into next spring, you know, if they're starting to head out, they need to be cut regardless because if that those seeds go back into the soil, it'll create a, a problem down the road for, for other tillage crops. So that's that's probably one thing. I suppose the second thing then as well is when these crops are being removed, just to take all precautions, just to protect the soil. You know, the soil is our greatest resource and, you know, the last thing we need is, is damaged onto the soil and I suppose it, it, it negates any good that the, these crops are having on the soil. So, you know, 
I suppose livestock farmers would be very familiar with back fencing and, and, and things like that just to minimise traffic um, on, on, on the fields that they, they don't get messed up, I suppose, John. They're the, the two key points, really. Tillage farmers who opted to plant forage crops under the fodder production initiative are set to receive uh, 2.3 million euro between them from the department. It mightn't be a great deal when divided up amongst the 1,700-odd farmers, but nonetheless, that's something they're encouraging farmers to plant forage crops and we've seen how Chagas helped coordinate the whole concept of collaboration between farmers, tillage farmers and livestock farmers. Anything at all we could do, any steps we could take to avoid a deficit in the winter. Yeah, I suppose, look, it, it was an incentive scheme that was set up. Now, it wouldn't cover the cost fully of growing it, but it was it was an incentive that was there anyway, and I suppose, you know, as well, as I said already, the weather played its its part in, in getting them sown, because if they were sown, say, two or three weeks later, a lot of those particularly the rape crops and that wouldn't wouldn't have yielded very well. So look, I suppose it's it's some help uh, in, 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 in the fodder crisis anyway, John, yeah. Would it be right to feel that the dry spell did it encourage the area of winter crops being planted to increase for the autumn, this autumn? Yeah, it absolutely. I mean, we started the interview there talking about, you know, October 12 months ago, We, you know, you couldn't get a day in October to sow crops. And now this year, I mean, it's it's been absolutely fabulous, you know. Uh, crops have been sown, you know, early uh, with good establishment and that. So, yeah, you're right. It has led to an increase in the area. I'd say winter barley will probably be over 70,000 hectares, which would be as high as it, as it has ever be, has been. Um, but again, it's just the, the weather allowed allowed the crops to be sown. So, yeah, we're definitely going to going to have some level of... Uh, there, there will be a big increase on, on last year anyway, John. I suppose the only thing is that some of them were sown quite early, so they'll bring its own, I suppose, management challenges down the road with managing these crops. But, but yeah, certainly the area is, is, is well up on the previous year. What are the key... If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Management decisions that tillage farmers need to take in autumn planted crops. I suppose there's two kind of key ones, really, John. One is because a lot of these crops were sown early, um, you know, BYDV, barley, yellow dwarf virus is a big challenge, which is which is spread by aphids. So, you know, while most people use the seed dressing deter, which, um, you know, which as the name suggests, it deters the aphids from feeding in the crop, you know, they still would need to follow up with, um, an insecticide maybe in early November so that's the first thing and this is the last year of that seed dressing where we're losing it after the season so if you have any seed in the shed just to make sure that that it's used up this autumn and I suppose secondly then is weed control you know um, we lost uh, IPU there um, after last season and you know Annual meadowgrass is a big challenge in, in autumn planted crops. So again, it's getting in early with the weed control. You know, pre-emergence is probably gone for most people at this stage, but early post-emergence, just get in and get meadowgrass under control because if you don't get it at the very early stages, it's very, very difficult to control, especially in barley later on in the season, John. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Kieran Collins, Chagas Tillage Specialist, Chagas Moor Park for Moy. And we'll have the full interview with Kieran in the midweek edition of the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme after the 10 o'clock news on this coming Wednesday evening. Thanks, Kieran. Mr. Philip Cotter, PRO, Cork East Ploughing Association, reminds listeners about tomorrow's event at Bantir. Ploughing at Bantir tomorrow. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Philip. Thanks very much, John. So tomorrow, the 21st, we're found in Bantir. It's on the lands of Mr. Dennis Philpott, not McCollin, by his kind permission. Now, the entries are, were in for today at 1 o'clock to Joe Tomei, but Joe just let me know if there's any late entry, you can contact Joe on 087-926-0852. That's 087-926-0852. And we're starting tomorrow at 11.30 a.m. sharp. This vineyard is out to Kilbrin Road from Cantork, and it will be signposted from um, the navigation road or the Killarney Road. And there'll be refreshments on the field, and all are welcome, and all usual classes will be catered for. That's spent here tomorrow, the 21st, at 11.30 a.m. sharp, out to Kilbrin Road from Cantork. Now, the following week, 28, it's my own local uh, vineyard uh, match, Tupat House, and we'll be on the same bands as last year, Coleman Cronin, by his kind permission. So I'll come back with more details from next week on this day week, John. Mr. Philip Cotter, PRO Cork East Ploughing Association, and thank you again, Philip, for that uh, reminder regarding Bantir. Thanks, Philip. Thanks, John. Miss Susan McCarthy, Mealing Stud in Bandon, advises that the Irish Draft Horse Breeders Association, Cork and Kerry Branch, will hold a mixed horse sale at Ballybrack Equestrian Centre, Watergrass Hill, on tomorrow, Sunday, 21st of October, starting 12 noon. There are over 100 entries already, it's understood. The foal showing class at 11am. 
That's Irish Draft Horse, Breeders Association, Cork and Kerry Branch, a mixed horse sale, Ballybrack Equestrian Centre, Watergrass Hill, tomorrow Sunday, 12 noon, that's uh, 21st of October, with over 100 entries so far. While the national suckler herd may be reducing in numbers, the pedigree beef part of the national herd continues to grow. Pedigree beef registrations increased by nearly 1,000 calves in 2017. More traditional breeds or beef breeds associated with crossing on dairy cattle are the main contributors to the increase. The Hereford breeds saw an increase of nearly 500 pedigree calves on the year, up 11%, to settle at 5,000 registrations in 2017. The Angus breed remained number one on registrations, with 9,706 pedigree registrations in 2017. The whole issue is analysed by Shane Murphy, pedigree editor, Irish Farmers Journal, in this week's edition of the journal, 20th of October 2018. Definitely, John. And just on the pedigree front, yeah, the, the national herd is increasing. Um, while the suckler herd might be going down, the national beef herd, pedigree beef herd, is increasing, which is which is positive, I suppose, in one effect. But just as you touched off, it, it does cause a problem down the line for excess bulls. But there's a reason behind the numbers increasing, and that's because there's a lot of good markets coming on, on board. Um, just briefly going through it, it's the more traditional breeds that are focused at the dairy herd that seem to be making the most out of um, this increase in numbers. As you mentioned, the Angus have increased 50% in pedigree registrations over the last five years, which is massive. Um, Hereford, similarly, 47% increase over the last five years, whereas for the 10 years previous that, they would have been fairly static on the numbers. Um, so just, I, I suppose, why why is this increase happening on the Angus and the Hereford front? There's a, there's a number of reasons. Obviously, abolition of milk water in 2015 has a big factor to play. Um, no doubt about it. The, these breeds are focused on Freezing cattle to be crossing over and to produce an easy calf and short station calf. On top of that, the reputation for both these breeds have increased massively. Um, you're talking about the Hereford and Angus breed. You sit down at any restaurant these days, you nearly always have a name besides the steak. You don't order just, can you have a large steak? It's an Angus steak or a Hereford steak, or whatever breed it may be. That's definitely adding to it because you've got producer groups coming on board and certifying that they'll give a certain payment on each kilo, which gives breeders reassurance going forward and people that are buying calves and buying stores reassurance that they're going to get paid for their own product. And just the final part, I suppose, is the biggest. Is there's been a massive increase in the export markets available um, for Angus and Hereford Cross or pedigree cattle and going to places like Kazakhstan, Portugal, France, all over Europe, really. And these are pedigree registered heifers that mightn't be the top tier over here, but are perfectly acceptable for breeding across the water. And that sets your base price and it gives Breeders, they know there's a market for their females outside the country and they're not a guaranteed price. And again, we've seen in the schools uh, quite an interesting phenomenon. We've seen how young people, and they're very often um, female students, but young people getting involved in the school's certified Irish Angus scheme. And that has to be great because the whole problem is trying to get that age level of people in Irish farming, get that uh, down to something lower than the level at the moment but that phenomenon I'm sure is very positive for the future of the breed the Angus breed certified Irish Angus breeds it's massive John it's massive you go into any secondary school across the country now more than likely the only breed of cattle they know if they're not involved in agricultural science is the Angus breed and that's only down to the work that's put in by that producer group and we even see the Hereford producer groups coming on board now they're offering bursaries 
for people who are going into third level education agriculture, you submit an article and they judge it on the day and they give five bursaries of a thousand euro each to Hereford Society and the British School. So it's, it's great to get it. They know that the future is the younger generations and you have to get them on board if they're going to go further. Now, big changes, a rather exotic breed, the Aubrac, and I read there somewhere that in Wicklow there's a female Aubrac, an Aubrac cow, and all of the French producers and French breeders, they're desperately trying to have the animal flushed out to the shorthorn breeds, and the Aubrac breeds. They've witnessed a big change in calf population. Again, the Aubrac, especially because they're going towards the dairy breed, they're witnessing that positive impact that the dairy sector is having on their breed. Um, another massive factor for the Albrecht is the introduction of the BGP program, Beast Data Genomics program in 2015, for the likes of the Shorthorn, Albrechts, and particularly Solaire as well, it would rank very highly on the replacement index. So there's been a turn towards the replacement index because of this program, and that's definitely benefiting them, maybe at the consequence of other breeds losing out. The Charolais breed and the Belgian blue breed, apparently the Charolais and Belgian blues, they are decreasing, they're going down vis-a-vis other registrations, so they seem to have been most affected with 70% less calves or fewer calves in 2017 compared to that of uh, some years previously. 2012, you point out in far greater detail, of course, in the journal article. We're we're only skimming the surface of, of a very, very detailed article written by you in this week's Irish Farmers Journal. But the breed's going down, Charlie and Belgian Blue. Yes, massive. So, as I said, the BGP would have an effect on this um, breed that wouldn't be technically associated with the replacement index. So, when lads are going out looking for a four- and five-star replacement bull, some of them have to overlook their Charlie and Belgian Blue because they're not meeting the criteria. We've seen the registrations from the Charlie. They used to be the number one registrations of any pedigree breed back in 2012. That's dropped by 1,839 calves. And it's a 19% drop over five years, which is massive for uh, a herd book of that size. The Belgian Blue, percentage-wise, is bigger, but working off a much smaller base. You see the 70% drop over five years, and now there's just 223 registered cat, pedigree blue calves in Ireland in 2017, compared to 752 five years ago. Um, but this this is an effect that's being mirrored across the commercial national herd. We see that the... Uh, Charlies have dropped 40,000 calves across the commercial world, so there are 309,000 calves now in the, in the circular herds uh, in 2017. And similarly, the Belgian Blue is 12,000 less compared to 2015. Another small factor that's incorporated into that is the lack of the lucrative market for them heavily muscled um, whales that used to be there before, which isn't as lucrative anymore. An overall number, the national pedigree beef herd. Just over 38,500, John. Um, that would be up nearly 1,000 on 2016 levels. If we look back 10 years previous, it's up nearly 5,000. Is there a marker for these extra, we take it 50% are bulls, is there a marker for the extra 2,500 bulls in Ireland? At the moment, the answer is no. So a call has to be implemented across all breeds because that's the only thing that we maintain standards high as well if the, the bottom tier are always taken out and all your best go for breeding. Speaking to Mr Shane Murphy, pedigree editor, Irish Farmers Journal, someone reading your article and worrying about the future of the Irish suckler cow enterprise, 
I think there would be some very positive points you could take from your article while, of course, qualifying that with the bulls situation and the need for concentrating supports in some parts of the market. But I think overall, people reading your article, they would see certainly a substantial ray of hope there for the future of the Irish suckler industry. Definitely. You kind of just have to look at the positive. Why is the pedigree herd increasing? The pedigree herd is increasing because they've opened up markets in the last five years that previously weren't there. And that's just what has to be done going across the board. And they're constantly doing that. So there, there is definitely hope outside there, John. And to end on a very positive note for any younger people listening, we find now the Hereford uh, Society may be following a certified Irish Angus uh, competition system, that phenomenon, which, of course, has taken off. And so, as you've said, every secondary school seems to have an interest. It is. Now, the Angus Producer Group, they give away calves. The Hereford Society have been in for the last three years. They offer a bursary of €1,000 per person um, for five successful applicants um, each year just before. So the, the winners were announced this year at the Plowing. But it, it's a great kickstart for anybody that's starting third-level agricultural science. That's great. Well, thank you very much indeed, Mr. Shane Murphy, pedigree editor, Irish Farmers Journal. Just skimming your very interesting article there in this week's edition of the Irish Farmers Journal, and that will be the journal for Saturday, 20th of October, 2018. Thank you, Shane, very much indeed. Thanks a million. And, and thank you. A new book entitled The Old Village Schools is being launched at the Independence Museum in Kilmurray on Friday, 26th of October at 8pm. Mr Anthony O'Sullivan, Vice Chairperson, Kilmurray Historical Association, issues an open invitation to everyone. One of the book is The Old Village Schools. Uh, it's really about uh, two old schools that were in the heart of Kilmurray Village. There were two stone buildings, there were two-storey buildings that were unique as schools as such. But uh, as you know, most schools, when they reach their centenary, there would be a book brought out about them. All the local schools around us have books, but our schools didn't get to be 100 years old before they were demolished. And then when they were demolished, they were, the reason for demolishing was at the time was um, repa- there were repairs to the church and they were making new car park for the church or the schools were in the way. And nowadays there wouldn't be enough because they were beautiful buildings, but that's, them days are gone, and uh, when, as the story goes, out of sight, out of mind. So there was no more about the schools that were not, the new schools built. But the only years I always had in my mind that someone should put some few words together about those schools. And recently, at a meeting there sometime during the summer, we decided that we would do that. And a fellow by the name of George Lehan and myself got together. George would be the main pusher of it. He kept it going and at long last we have it out now in our hands, this book. In the book itself, John, there, uh, there is no record of the roles but uh, two weeks after this launch we have a schools exhibition which is taking in the, all the schools of the parish and the locality and uh, that will be the roles will be on display at that exhibition then. So they'll be open to everyone who wants to come and see their name in Irish or English, under all books. The book itself is dated from 1849 to 1955. There was a school in Kilmurray in, uh, way back that time, but it was a kind of a glorified head school, but they kept building on little bits to it and so on and so forth. But they, never, there was never, they couldn't get a site for 
to build a new school and there were schools going up all over the country at the time, being built by the British government at the time. Kind of overnight, there was a church built in 1860 and with the help of the local landlords, one of them being uh, Sir Augustus Warren from Warrenscourt and the other man was Charles Beamish from Duniski, would be uh, connected to Beamish's brewery in Cork the same family, and they subscribed generously to the building of the church. And there was some material left over after the building of the church, and they decided that they'd build two schools, one for the boys and one for the girls. And there were two-story buildings, two stone buildings, two beautiful buildings, really, but there were single-room schools. Uh, teachers, both teachers, taught in the one room. And the girls, you had uh, two two uh, female teachers, a principal and an assistant, and then the boys who had MEL, and generally the assistant would have been uh, female. So that must have been a huge development from what you referred to earlier in our conversation, the hedge schools, the days of the hedge schools, when people literally had to be educated or taught a few basics of education in secret. But um, thanks to what nowadays, looking back, would see as two relatively benevolent um, public-spirited landlords, even though we know the history of landlordism and it's uh, all seen as bad. But you had there two benevolent people who had a sense of purpose and a sense of identity with their local community and the people, even though they would have been incredibly wealthy compared to the struggling poor people they were hoping to, I suppose, help in some practical way. And education, of course, is never a burden. If these people were going abroad and could read and write, that put them at a tremendous advantage to people who couldn't do those things, the the totally illiterate poor people. Yes, well, before there was... Before the before them schools were built, there was this, as I said, a, a kind of a glorified head school. There was a teacher, there were a couple of teachers in it, and uh, they reasonably gave a reasonable level of education. I said to the people at the time, but they, it had to be paid for. That time there was so much ahead per quarter, and the uh, poor were left out because they couldn't afford to go to school. But they might have pick up a bit from some neighbor or something when they'd go home in the evening. But otherwise. There was no there was no school for the poor until these schools arrived on the scene. The old before these schools were built, the old school was recognised by the commissioners of education then as a national school, and the teacher was would have been paid a salary, and the pupils then would be allowed free education. The schools we're talking about now were built in eight. They opened in eighteen sixty two. So that would have been about maybe 20 years after the famine, the big famine, and you yeah, still yeah, uh, have yeah, the devastation, yeah. the, the total emaciation of local populations, vast immigration. Miracle, anyone survived in the yes, community. But, uh, it, it, it does seem that uh, our area didn't suffer as much as other areas. I'd say mainly due to the generosity of the landlords at the time. Most of his workers and employers, they were all of the Catholic religion, like, and he was trying to do the best he could for them to keep them up and running. There, in the book itself, there are many old photos, like going way back to the 30s, 40s, and 30s, even, and uh, you know, and very, very good photographs, too. And the, we, we have the names of most of the pupils on them, which is a big help. To confirm, the launch of this book takes place on Friday. 26th of October 2018 at 8pm in the Heritage Room of the Independence Museum 
ask Hill Murray. The, the, the launch will be, first now the launch will be on Friday the 26th and it will be held in the Heritage Room in the museum, in part of the Independence Museum in Kilmurray. Is, is that the War of Independence Museum or just the Independence Museum? Just the Independence Museum. No matter whether the Kilmurray man, he should be in possession of this book because it really has a lot of, a lot of the history of the locality and just especially about the schools as well. And indeed, uh, it would make a nice Christmas present coming up to Christmas now and a, a very reasonably priced present. So any Kilmurray person, be they male or female, any Kilmurray person at home or abroad, and that brings us up to the situation of a, a nice um, Christmas present for somebody living overseas. Thank you very much indeed, Mr Anthony O'Sullivan, Vice Chairperson of Kilmurray Historical Association. Thanks, John. Thank you. The final speaker on our programme this morning was Mr Anthony O'Sullivan, Vice Chairperson of the Kilmurray Historical Society. The launch of the new book, The Old Village Schools in Kilmurray, takes place at the Independence Museum on Friday, October the 26th, 2018 at 8pm. That's our programme for this morning. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to John Futter and Controls. And as always, a very special thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in. Have an enjoyable weekend. The next Agri-Update on this coming Wednesday evening at 10 o'clock. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Trusted by generations of farmers. Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Putting your animal nutrition needs first. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.